Hey, Docolos. And I don't think I'm going to say Doculettes. I think we can all be Docolos. Truly, all of us. Welcome to another episode of The Documenteers. I'm your host, Bob Sham. Documenteers being the podcast about documentaries. We love documentaries. We review documentaries. We go through them and we hit them with the Herzog hammer. This episode features yet another 30 for 30 documentary. Drew and I, we discuss the 30 for 30 film, The Legend of Jimmy the Greek. Yes, Jimmy the Greek, the old gambler who was on a a CBS NFL show for a dozen years. And then he said something kind of short-sighted and stupid, and it cost him his career. But what is the legend of Jimmy the Greek? And how melodramatic is it? Also, this movie, directed by a guy named Fritz Mitchell. Yeah, Fritz Mitchell. I also make this... uh, I do this impression in the podcast, too, because this movie, it kind of tries to noir it up a bit, kind of tries to make it uh, seedy. Oh, God. 30 for 30, The Legend of Jimmy the Greek. Let me get into an edition of Bobby's Boners. (laughs) This is a preemptive Bobby's Boner because in this episode, Drew says the words... Backroom whispers. Backroom whispers. And I just let it go. I say absolutely nothing about it. And for that, I sincerely apologize. I, I promise you that whenever I hear anyone say the words backroom whispers, that I will comment on it. And the fact that I didn't is just inexcusable. Follow us on social media. We have a Facebook page. We have a Twitter that I barely know how to use. Uh, we have an Instagram, which is probably the most active. And you can actually get previews of the episodes that are going to come out on the Instagram account. You can contact us for suggestions or requests or praise or hate at documenteerspodcast at gmail.com. And please feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you. I love attention. Also, if you could do us a rock solid, if you have not done so already, go into iTunes or Apple Podcasts, as they call them, and rate the documenteers five stars and leave a little brief review it can say anything but when you do that it helps us find an even bigger audience and that's something that you can do for free it costs you nothing and for everyone who has sent a review i know a lot of these reviews haven't popped up yet which is very strange i think if you just keep them coming they'll all show up eventually but the five star reviews we've been seeing them all and thank you so much for the help documenteers is growing behind the scenes i'm working on an actual studio here, upgrading to some actual good mics and learning some actual legitimate programs because I want this to be the best documentary podcast there is. And actually, it already is that. It's not good enough. I want to take it to the next level always. And if you have any suggestions on how to do that, documenteerspodcast at gmail.com. Without further ado, let's go into Drew and I's episode, The 30 for 30, The Legend of Jimmy the Greek, directed by Fritz Mitchell. Keep on a-dockin'. Now, here is a motion picture film. A thousand feet, 16,000 separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. I was exposed to heavy-duty gambling at an early age in my hometown, Steubenville, Ohio. It was a tough, 
blue-collar town on the banks of the Ohio River. Yeah, less asbestos. That's a good uh less asbestos, less asbestos, less asbestos, less asbestos. Right. Unique New York. <laughs> Red leather, yellow leather. <laughs> Toy boat. Drew, welcome to the Shamco Studios. It's kind of in flux right now. I predict next time you come in here, you just might take the Shamco Studios a little more seriously. I don't know how it could get any more professional. Well, like the drywall mats here or whatever you call these. I don't know. If you put them in the ceiling of an office. Like That's how dedicated you are. These are 100% pure asbestos <laughs> just for sound quality in here. I mean, the radio station doesn't do that. I don't work with that in the, at Radio Works. Yeah, radio stations. You don't put asbestos on your walls, fools. Dedication to podcasting sound quality. <laughs> Glad you're taking this seriously, Bob. I am. I am. And uh, say goodbye to this mic because you might get a better one next time. What? That's right. Bringing it to the next Can we possibly level. sound any better? Yeah, actually we can. Oh, all right. Like quite a bit. <laughs> well then, way to go. I'm proud of you. Let's do it next time. Not this time. Drew. And probably not next time either, honestly. <laughs> Maybe two times from now. <laughs> Maybe, probably. It'll be the next time it'll be like, look at it. And then it's like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then you'll come back the next time and be like, I figured it out, man. <laughs> now, professional quality. That's right. Drew, we're back into the 30 for 30 swing of things. Good to be back. We've got a couple more documenteers, but I think your episodes I want to keep kind of an every few schedule because I'm anxious to get through these 30 for 30s. Oh, there's, there's only like 200 of them now. And there's so many of them. We're on number six today. We could have done a podcast alone just on 30 for 30s. Yeah, we could have, but you had to go and be like, oh, I want other guests and other documentaries. I will, I can't help it. I love documentaries. I can't contain myself to one type of documentary. Yeah, if it was just us, you might have never had American movie. That's true. Your perfect scores. Or Nintendo Quest. <laughs> Your not-so-perfect scores. What are the perfect scores we got? We don't have a perfect 30 for 30 yet. I'm not sure if it exists. There's some that are really good. But I can't think of a perfect yet. You'll just have to stay tuned. Hang in there. Like that cat in that poster, that kitten. Let me give you a spoiler alert today. It's not this one. You mean the one we're doing called The Legend of Jimmy the Greek by Fritz Mitchell. Of course, famous director Fritz Mitchell. I make it a point, and it's not much of a point you have to make. It's just a matter of not doing it. To not do a lot of research <laughs> on the movie specifically. Let them hold up as the documentaries they want to be. But I'm going to look him up right now. Fritz Mitchell. Fritz Mitchell, director. Let's see what he's done. Pulling up his IMDb right now. This is going to be great. It's really great. It's compelling right now. He's won some Peabody win uh, awards. He has earned seven Emmys from 22 nominations. He did some SEC stories. He did Battle of Versailles. He's done a few documentaries. The Wind Gods. Have you ever heard of any of these? No. <laughs> Battle at Versailles sounds familiar, actually. Can we just call him seven-time Emmy-winning director, Fritz Mitchell? Oh. He did a, a TV movie documentary called Bluegrass Basketball. Not a 30 for 30? I don't think so. It's in 2002, so we're going to call him Bluegrass Basketball Director Fritz Mitchell. 
Glad we got that out of the way. Now we can finally move on into the legend of Jimmy the Greek. Rich Podolsky, some guy that knew Jimmy. (laughs) (laughs) Was talking about how Jimmy worked on, uh, he worked on this show, Drew. What was the show called? NFL Today on CBS. And he worked with uh, this lady. What was her name? Phyllis George, an ex-Miss America. Irv Cross, an ex-player. He did the sideline reporting. And Brent Musburger. Who was like the the mouth of the show. And still is today. And they all worked on this show with a guy named Jimmy the Greek. And Jimmy was a former pro gambler who went legit on TV telling people what he, who he thought was going to win football games this weekend. Jimmy the Greek was the blue-collar aspect of NFL Today, the guy who was kind of the everyman who could connect with people who were watching the show on TV, and that little darker element, the the gambling portion. They weren't allowed to talk about betting lines and stuff like that on TV, so they'd get around it by having Jimmy say stuff like, oh, I'm, I favor them by about a field goal, by a little less than a touchdown. <laughs> yeah. The movie's opening up on... The fact that uh, a, a little feud between Brent and Jimmy, they're talking about how they w- they go to a bar, and Jimmy is at this point in his career a little pissed off. He's not getting some airtime, and he complains about it to Brent. Brent says something along the line of, if the shoe fits, and then chairs fly, there's bottles in hands, and as it turns out, the whole thing shows up in the paper the next day. And the paper said it was a fight over Phyllis George, which wasn't true at all. Okay, yeah, weird. That's kind of the era. It's different. A woman on TV, especially an ex-Miss America. Yeah. Everyone's just going to kind of assume that she's there to look pretty. (laughs) Well, And Jimmy definitely thought that. He was from an older time. You know, he wasn't that respectful towards her. But that wasn't part of the fight at all. It was just Jimmy always thought he needed more. He needed more airtime. He was the star of the show. Brent's just kind of the smooth-talking younger guy. And he's getting the airtime. He's kind of the mouth. But So Jimmy goes and punches him in the face at a bar. This uh, 30 for 30, it goes back and forth. I'm not going to say seamlessly. It starts out with the CBS football. It goes between his childhood and how he came up. It's kind of awkward. I can't see what they were going for the way things were kind of... It's not really in order. And on top of that, they got an actor doing narration like a voice of jimmy the greek oh my god this was so disorienting to me every time they went they cut back and forth from either modern time interviews or him on his on the nfl today show which was much more recent they cut into a flashback of his childhood or his growing up or his formative years and it would be overdubbed by someone talking in first person like he was jimmy the greek except it obviously wasn't jimmy the greek now i don't remember jimmy the greek from my childhood i wasn't watching football back then I don't know if this guy sounds like him. Is this coming from something that Jimmy the Greek wrote? I was so curious about this because it was taking me out of the movie so much. Because he gets introduced on a line, something like, I laid six to five that I would live to see my 85th birthday. That was not one of my smarter bets. I came up short by seven and change. You're just like, wait, what? That's not you talking. There's no way. (laughs) Yeah. What? Where did this come from? Before the 30 for 30, the the director comes on and he talks about how he set everything up and he felt like he had to have the voice of Jimmy the Greek, but he didn't. No, it it absolutely took me out of the movie. And there were so weirdly overdramatic lines later on in the movie that I'm sure we'll talk about later. He talks about the, the cops in his town growing up and he's like, Steubenville was also a wide open town. 
a hotbed of what cops like to call vice. But let me tell you, cops don't always practice what they preach. Like, wait, what? It turns into some Raymond Chandler knockoff for like moments throughout this 30 for 30. Just unbelievably corny. And again, this was such a big distraction to me that I broke your rule and did a little bit of research. And no, I know you're shocked. It's not the voice of Jimmy <laughs> the Green from Beyond the Grave. Damn it! <laughs> it's uh, someone called Basil Katsikis. So I guess they said, hey, do we have any Greek people around? Do the voice. <laughs> and Basil Katsikis' IMDb says he's best known for his work on the Rocky and Bullwinkle show. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah, that really brings it all together, I feel like. <laughs> did he do Boris? <laughs> did you see which character he did? It didn't even say that, so I'm assuming not. Mr. Peabody? Now he's the voice of Jimmy the Greek <laughs> in this movie in all the flashback scenes, which are, again, kind of interstitched with scenes of both modern interviews and the NFL Today era, for which Jimmy's best known for. I actually kind of like some of the shots they... The director did experiment with like visual and audio distortion throughout points. I kind of think it worked a little bit, even though the whole idea maybe itself was not the concept wasn't working for me, but half of the execution kind of did seem a little interesting. But this 30 for 30 breakneck speed zips back into CBS Sports NFL today, described as the dysfunctional family, and Jimmy will come on and give the inside stuff. And Jimmy brought this legitimacy because he was like a character from a Raymond Chandler story. A real gambler from Las Vegas. He had the gruff voice. He had the persona. He wore the chains on sets. He looked the part. He felt the part. They mentioned it in the movie straight out of central casting. If you want an old-time gambler. NFL Today bragged huge ratings. I love these old shows. They talk about how great their ratings were. There's there like, nothing they were competing against. Yeah, it was like three or four channels on TV. There's no cable. There's no ESPN. There's no internet. They're pretty much the only TV football show. And yeah, people are watching it. Surprise. Football throughout the 80s would just grow exponentially, becoming probably one of the most dominant sports in the country. And it states that it moves past baseball as America's pastime. I think that would be submitted in the baseball strike in the early 90s. It was more the TV. Football is just such a sport that's made for TV. Yeah. TV took over and made it huge, which I believe we talked about on a previous episode. Just that TV blowing up football, that sideline talk. When you could hear the players on the side, you could hear the play calls. They made it huge. I also love the part where I think it was Phyllis George who referred to them as the mod squad on their show. As soon as she said that, I was like, yes, that that's it. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> they've got Miss America. They've got Brent Musburger, kind of an all-American boy type. Irv Cross is, is the black ex-player, the athlete. And then they have Jimmy the Greek, <laughs> who's got a, the old gambler. Yeah, this old gambler type who's got his street smarts. Sports betting became huge during this time, and everyone hung on what Jimmy had to say. The guy had knowledge of the game, And he did pull off some big bets in his day. But when you bet all the time, you're going to hit some of them. I'm not a big better. I like to do little small time things with my friends, something that doesn't cost anyone a lot of money. But you win maybe a nice steak dinner at the end if you win it. I feel like I get my shit, you know, 40 to 50% right most of the time. Well, do you look at the lines? Yeah, look at those lines real good. That's because of Jimmy the Greek. Oh, shit. That was this huge thing here. Sports lines weren't anywhere before he kind of took the mainstream with the show into with his column in the newspapers earlier. 
he's the one who brought sports betting lines to everybody. And even today, when you're betting with your friend, not doing any online betting or going to Vegas to place a bet, right? you're still seeing which team's favored by how many points. Yeah, true. And this is what made Jimmy the Greek. I love the story about... The the part that really blew him up was Super Bowl three, the Jets versus the Colts. Great story. Everybody knows Joe Namath, one of the biggest upsets in football history. Well, Jimmy the Greek put the line on this game at 17 and a half. That's how big the Colts were favored, by 17 and a half points. And then when the Jets won, everybody was making fun of him on the street. They're like, oh, Jimmy, you thought the Jets were going to lose by 17 and a half. <laughs> and they actually won. Like, you're terrible at this. That's because people don't know what a betting line is for. It's tricky to understand it. The point of that line is to get action on both sides of the bet. Nobody was betting the Cavs to beat the Warriors in a fair fight in these previous (laughs) NBA finals that we just had. But you've got that line. They've got to cover the spread. Mm. So that's going to get action on the underdog team if you think they can cover. And this was one of Jimmy's best lines because he said... He got people to bet both sides of it, even though the Colts were such a huge favorite. People were betting almost even amounts on both sides, and that's when the house wins. That makes a lot of sense. I confess, maybe not too long ago, like before we discussed it, that I maybe didn't really understand it that well either. But it's just kind of a bait for people to come in and uh, throw some money around. That's what's so amazing to me. You talk about bettors who can pick a winner or go on a hot streak. You're right. Anybody can do that. Anybody can do a decent job, get lucky, go on a hot streak. But the Vegas lines, I mean, those lines are close almost all the time. They do some job of figuring this stuff out. And again, Jimmy the Greek was kind of the voice of this, the the face of this too. But hold on, Drew. Let's hop into a DeLorean. Gotta get back in time. Back into the year 1951. Are we breaknecking it back to some narration? Yeah, we're going back and forth, Marty McFly style. Is this a fitness? 1951, J. Edgar Hoover is on some old real dissing gambling. And some old cowboy gambler, I think he's a pro poker player, was like, nobody respected gamblers. They compared gamblers to whorehouses. Gambling houses to whorehouses. Now, yeah, they did do this a lot. There's a lot of association. I've never personally like gambling at this level you know you go to a casino people putting all their paychecks and one-armed bandits uh some of the saddest scenes i've ever seen have been in a casino for me personally this is just me if i put up a whorehouses and gambling parlors i think maybe the gambling's probably worse (laughs) i mean in the so-called whorehouses or sex worker houses preferably but we need to say (laughs) And just make it legal. Protect these people. Kill the trafficking. It's one step. Come on. And gambling, people are throwing away their kids' livelihoods getting addicted to gambling. You know, you'll probably get uh, HPV or something at the whorehouse. And, you know, you can just treat that. (laughs) This is a nice topical moment, too, because sports gambling just won in the Supreme Court to become... States can choose to make it legal or not. Interesting. All across America. It's almost like the Supreme Court gods are shining down on the documenteers. Obviously, they're listening to this podcast, knew the Jimmy the Greek episode was coming up next. They were checking their 30 for 30 schedule. You got to tie that into what's happening right now. (laughs) This is the big theme of this movie. The entire biggest theme is boiled down to that Jimmy the Greek took sports gambling out of this real dark place that people had it in their minds. They had in their minds like a seedy Vegas whorehouse was what sports gambling was to them. And no respectable person would be laying down bets on sports. 
it's a vice. It's, yeah. There was probably a real dramatic narration about this, too. Some distorted audio, maybe. And Jimmy the Greek's the one who took that from from backroom whispers to the living rooms, is the way they put it in the movie. To everybody's living rooms, making bets. I mean, and that's so true. It really is. You went from this era where gambling was looked at as this really dark vice that only complete degenerates took part in and it was outside the law and it was real dangerous and dirty to every, everybody and their mothers putting bets on the super bowl and everything else just lines in the newspapers but back in the 50s hoover suppresses gambling the federales and jimmy and his brother Growing up in Steubenville. Where's that at? Ohio? Yes. Jimmy's brother says that they all thought gambling was legal. And Jimmy quit school in the 10th grade. And he won a horse race and was hooked. He remembers coming home, his father scolding him because Jimmy had this wad of cash and gambling was a no-no. So he got scolded. Week later, his dad's asking to borrow $1,000. It said that after that, Jimmy stopped calling him Pops. Started calling him George. I don't know if that's just part of the uh, super dramatic narration by Basil Katsikis, or if this is an actual true story, but man, that's that's sad. At some point, let's go back into the DeLorean. Gotta get back in time. <laughs> to NFL Today, Jimmy says to Phyllis, I hate your husband. Phyllis cries. This is to establish that there was not off. It wasn't always rosy between Phyllis and Jimmy. Phyllis always had the vibe that Jimmy did not really want her there. They took this angle as kind of a way to show that this wasn't going to be, like you said, an all roses documentary. This isn't a glowing portrait of Jimmy the Greek legendary hero of the world. He had a dark side too. He wasn't the best person is what they're trying to say here. His son comes in and says he was a compulsive gambler. It wasn't just this, you know, this great little hobby that he did well with. It was a problem. He gambled every day. He lost just as much money as he pulled in. And he had dark moods. And then they show this this NFL Today clip where he's talking to, to Phyllis and she knows that he doesn't respect her at all. To, to him, she's just a broad. And he can't really do that. She said, I'm not going to tape with Jimmy the Greek anymore. So they went over here and they taped his segments with Brent Musburger separately. And then they did the rest of the show with the other ones without him there. So Jimmy was not on stage anymore live with Phyllis. And he's again, he needs his respect. Jimmy the Greek is old school. He's an old school individual from a blue collar town. It's all about respect to him. And them cutting his segments and cutting the time he's on the air on the show is just disrespectful. Now, Jimmy would get inside info on games, even when he was young, because he he'd been gambling since a very young age. And he bet against the favorite Notre Dame. They were a 17-point favorite. But Great Lakes at the time wins, and that scores Jimmy 62 grand. And he made the papers as the young Greek in Steubenville who won a lot of money. This is 62 grand in the 60s. And Jimmy would often bet everything. That was just his style. He was cocky. He was a story book gambler this guy was pretty much a stereotype and he understood that about himself and he played that up that was his pr i'd win a whole lot of my bets but then again sometimes i'd lose wow basil katsikis he predicted that truman would be dewey that famous race because his sister once said to him that women don't like mustaches there's no way to verify this shit but really. jimmy went out and verified it he did his own research <laughs> He interviewed local women outside of a supermarket or something and found out that, yes, most of them did not like mustaches. So that led him to put 10 grand on Truman at 17 to 1 odds. Cash in for $170,000, apparently. 
That's a good story. That's the kind of stuff you should be throwing into a documentary like this. A great little anecdote. He wins all this money on Truman because his sister told him that women don't like mustaches. One of the biggest upset elections in history up to uh, the last one. Yeah, it was kind of hard to hear them say that. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, they were like this was the biggest upset in American politics history. You're like, eh, not anymore. <laughs> I mean, maybe statistically it might still. I don't know, but boy, we got another. We had another one. Pete Rozelle was the NFL commissioner during Jimmy's day, and he knew Jimmy and wanted to make sure that things are going to be on the up and up over at CBS. But we go back again. <laughs> to Jimmy's Vegas days, convicted for interstate gambling after he gave a tip over the phone. How the hell do you get caught? That seems so easy. They needed to flesh this story out a little bit more. Because that's all it said. He gave a tip on a game over the phone, and boom, he's hit with felony interstate gambling charges. He must have been recorded. his career. Ruined his, yeah, it seems so odd. But I guess by our standards that... That would ruin his career. Well, all of a sudden, he's a felon. He's it, a felon. It's hard to get tips from somebody who's a convicted felon. And even he, in Las Vegas, he had to make he had to change his motivations. He had gone legit in in public marketing, and his survival through this kind of helped increase his popularity. And Jimmy apparently helped get poker on TV. Jimmy his, was good at PR. His son appears and said that Jimmy would he'd have his own scene. And casinos would approach him to market Jimmy through their sports betting parlors. But he wasn't, at the time, he wasn't down. Jimmy, he liked the ponies, the horses. And he called 50 to 1 on some fucking horse with some weird name. <laughs> and that was it. It was just some fucking horse. And he won once. And apparently he'd do this thing where he would bet on every horse to look like a winner. That's a good story. They said if he was losing at the end of the day, he would bet every race just so at the end of the day, he could be the center of attention by pulling out a winning ticket. All right, I won this one too. Last race, made it back. He's a really relatable character. And that was part of his success on TV. I've got people in my life who seemed that way too, that just kind of old school mentality. Mm. My dad knows a lot more about the horses than I do. I went to some OTBs, the off-track betting in New York growing up, and had an uncle who was into it a whole lot more. It seemed glamorous as that little like sheen of disrespectability, you know, going to the off track betting, being like, but isn't this illegal? Yeah, right. A little that little bit of danger. And then the people who were in that world seemed so cool as a little kid. And let's be honest, even now, it's just it's in that Raymond Chandler way. You just kind of think about these people as some cool little subculture that know something that you don't that live in a different kind of world. You know, they'll have their whiskey and their cigarettes and their gruff voice and be throwing down losers, but eventually they pick a winner and all's right in the world. Then they get a nice car. That is a fun part of childhood for me, thinking back when you're with certain relatives or friends of the family and they oper they're operating an underground bar without a license and they're doing all these little little sneaky things that aren't like super illegal, but seem to be just outside the law. It did seem very glamorous and would draw you in and would be very interesting to a young person that's why i'm a felon today <laughs> it just makes it seem cool and again that's that's how everyone got to relate to jimmy the greek one other thing that i was thinking watching this is he would go fucking nuts today he wasn't around for the boost of all this online sports betting of fantasy sports yeah 
Oh, he'd be yeah. great at fan. He could run a whole fantasy sports show if he wanted. I would take ten Jimmy the Greeks on TV and write in columns over one Matthew Barry. I'll tell you that. <laughs> come on, yeah, Matthew. Come on, what are you talking about? <laughs> I would love to see what he would come up with for today's style of gambling and and all the different options that are out there today. Unfortunately, and this is mentioned once, we don't get a lot of info on his family. They interview his son, but even his son is talking all about his gambling. Well, one of his sons anyway, but he had a son named Jamie who would eventually pass away from cystic fibrosis. Man, talk about your hard turn back into the flashback narration. There's nothing but hard turns <laughs> in this 30 for 30. They've already interviewed his son a few times. He's been talking on air. His sister's been talking on air. And then all of a sudden you find out that he had five kids and three of them died of cystic fibrosis. Brutal. And we see footage of his son Jamie doing yoga before it was hot. And apparently it hurt Jimmy to be around his son. This was not a guy who talked of his heart. This is not a guy who told his feelings. I actually connected very strangely when they said that it was hard for Jimmy to even be around. So it looked like he just was gone. And I've in the past, I've lost some friends and some family and I dealt with it in kind of a shut off kind of way and maybe inadvertently kind of hurt people involved. But I really just wasn't handling these deaths very well. And it's something that as I get older, I'm trying to be like, you have to be able to face this. You have to sit through this. I definitely understand that wanting to run away, but you can't run away. People need you. I mean, as we sit here, as we talk, both of us are men who kind of have that same little old school mentality to us. We're not the oversharing type. <laughs> We're not the ones who are going to bring up conversations and talk about feelings too much. Well, you give me, get a few independent types. Get a few drinks in me, you know. But Jimmy the Greek, he was that real old school again. And you hit this. I mean, what the hell? They just all of a sudden throw that at you that he'd already lost two kids to cystic fibrosis. And then they're showing his son, Jamie, who ends up dying at 27 years old. But they show him there, and he had the cystic fibrosis as well. Jimmy had already lost two of his sons. He knows how this is going to end. Yeah. And it's really hard for him to be around him. That's real shitty yeah. that your dad's not there while you're going through this. He's trying to extend his life. They show the yoga. He's got some real bad facial hair going on. Yeah, I think that was probably a uh, choice. I don't think you could... <laughs> Blame the cystic fibrosis for the. I want to though. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, how are you going to react in that situation? I don't know. That's got to be such an impossible situation to throw a father into that he knows how this is going to end. But then again, his son's twenty-seven years old. He's been with him twenty-seven years. (laughs) Maybe you want to spend some time with him too. Yeah. It's it's really difficult to see. CBS calls Jimmy. They want He wants to be legit, and he wants to market his image through CBS. And it fucking works. He's on the air for 12 years. Well, he's legitimate now because he got an official pardon from President Gerald Ford. Wow. Where the hell did that come from? That's why he's a Ford loyalist when he, when he went up against Carter, even though I hope Jimmy didn't bet on that one. <laughs> he probably didn't get 17 to 1 either. Renewal time is here. Dan Rathers is in this. They've got some big names on this thing, too. And Dan Rather, even though he went through a little bit of controversy himself, is still one of the most respected names in journalism. And he says that Jimmy was an easy victim for the dark side of television. Jimmy wanted a lot. He wanted the best the best pay, the best rooms when they traveled. He, he needed all these luxurious things, probably things that he was used to being Mr. High Roller, 
back in its Vegas days. And while CBS is an entity that is very wealthy, they eventually would think that a lot of this was very unnecessary. And it was, you know, Jimmy just wanted to be, Jimmy acted like a prince pretty much. And he wanted all the accoutrements. CBS says that Jimmy went from being high maintenance to being very high maintenance. Respect is such a big thing in Jimmy's life. He grew up in this blue-collar town, again, dropping out of school in 10th grade. He always felt like he needed to earn respect and people needed to show him respect. I don't think he necessarily needed to be the guy with all the FaceTime and the fanciest rooms, and they said he always needed the biggest limo. To him, that was all just this the entrapments of people showing him the respect that he thought he deserved. But 12 years on NFL Today, he's getting real old, and his contacts are getting real old. His renewal contract is up. So Jimmy, he lies low and makes sure the business is right to to renew his contract. No, that's not what happens at all. (laughs) Someone puts some points on Mike at him. On Martin Luther King Day. And he says all this, the the weirdest shit. The black is the better athlete, and he's bred to be the better athlete because this goes back all the way to the Civil War, when during the slave trading, the big, the owner, the slave owner would, 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 would breed his big, black to his big woman so that he could have a, a big a big a big black kid See? oh he man, says all Jimmy. this weird shit i knew jimmy said this think about this movie is i didn't realize how much i knew about jimmy the greek until i started watching it i was like oh yeah that oh yes this jimmy the greek was big enough that i it was kind of a reminder to me of an era even though i wasn't that into football back then he does he doesn't just say that Black players are faster, like some weird... He starts giving some lecture about going back to the slave times and what are you talking about? Shut the fuck up. This is not going to go well for you. Well, they've got everything. If if they take over coaching like everybody wants them to, there's not going to be anything left for the white people. Just keeps digging that hole and it's so painful to watch. You want him to stop talking, but he just keeps trying to dig his way out of it and he's going deeper and deeper. He wasn't the first person to do this ridiculous point of view that got himself in so much trouble and ended up costing him his job. And he's not going to be the last either. Nope. Oh man, it certainly did it for him there. The next day, the headline in the newspaper said, The Greek Blasts Blacks. <laughs> and and you're like, ooh. Uh, <laughs> hey. And there's distorted. Not back from this. And there's distorted ambient dark music playing while they're going through that. Jimmy wants to apologize and he wants to do it on air. The execs are like, nah, you're done. I mentioned that CBS just totally throws him under the bus here. And they do. They do. They don't give him the chance to apologize on air. They call his comments completely reprehensible. They take him off the air. And would this have happened if he wasn't getting older and already in contract negotiations? Maybe not. Maybe they would have tried to give him a little bit of a second chance. But with him already being kind of a declining property for them, this is just so far across the line. There's there's no coming back. Jimmy is absolutely done. He's done on TV. He's done being a man on the street that people yell to, hey, Jimmy, what's the score? They go, oh, Jimmy, it's, that's that guy who's a total racist. You know, he can't get a job with pretty much anything because that's the one that's hanging over his head now. Brent says that he thinks that Jimmy fired himself. Irv Cross kind of defends Jimmy a little, says that on a personal level, Jimmy's really not a racist. He's probably more just a loudmouth jag off. Yeah, they're talking to Irv Cross, who worked with him for 12 years. He says Jimmy's not a racist. He 
He's obnoxious. He's loud. But he he always had that underdog mentality. Again, coming back from this tough childhood and a blue collar era, not having that education, that he always needed to prove himself to people. And they think that it was more. At least this is Irv Cross talking. He says it was more Jimmy trying to sound smart on a topic he knew absolutely nothing about. <laughs> he would never be able to say, hey, uh, I don't know anything about this topic. Don't ask me that question. He'd always be like, oh, yeah, hold on. Let me tell you everything about this, this even if he doesn't actually know anything about this it. This guy made a career of everyone hanging on his every word. It caresses his ego. This guy thinks he understands everything about everything. No, he's a good gambler. He doesn't know about genetics or history. And it's gambling, you know, he made a persona for himself, but so much of this persona, so much of the gambling is kind of fake it till you make it too. Yeah. And he can never let that go. It's a person after person in this movie where he's obnoxious, he's loud, but he's generous. He's got that good heart under that curmudgeonly exterior. But he's but a, there's some things you're not coming back from. But he's a TV pariah, no more work. One of Jimmy's mentors once said to him, you're going to be broke and you're going to be rich seven times in your life. Beware of the seventh. And I think we're at Jimmy's seventh point. He cannot get on TV. He ceases to be sellable. His son says, you know, my dad made a lot of money and he spent a lot. And he enjoyed going through all of it. This guy had so many fortunes, made so much money in his life, and lost so much money. And at the end, he's asking a friend to borrow money. And his hair is unkempt and long. And Jimmy would pass away. And there were not many... Uh, at the funeral, at least nowhere near as many as there were in the good times. He made a lot of money. It all went back out. He ended up becoming a hermit, running out of money once he couldn't sell himself anymore. He couldn't get those those opportunities that he used to have. And they say basically he gave up and died. He had nothing left. He wasn't Jimmy the Greek anymore. He was Jimmy Snyder. This is why... I feel like gambling is way worse than prostitution because this guy had all these fortunes, but he had that compulsion. He liked that high roller life. But he would bet it all like so many times. And it looked great when he would win, but when he'd lose, he's losing things that could set his kids and family up for a very long time. But would he have had him in the first place if he wasn't gambling? Would he have had any career? Would he be Jimmy the Greek, somebody that we all know about? And we're sitting here discussing a movie about his life called The Legend, Legend yeah. of Jimmy the Greek. But Dan Rather himself says, now that's a story. The rise and fall of Jimmy the Greek is a story. I mean, he made legit TV money, and obviously he threw that all away, too. Breakneck cutbacks. You hear from his childhood that... His mother was shot and killed when he was a small child by his uncle. Jeez. Who then kills himself. <laughs> You're like, wait, wait, what? Hang on. Where did this come from? His old boss from CBS, Mr. Fishman, goes to the funeral. Said he went to one of Jimmy's favorite tracks beforehand. Put a $2 bet on the favorites. Won. And he put that winning ticket in Jimmy's coffin. So he could go out a winner. And that was the legend of Jimmy the Greek. Now, Drew, we don't rate in a star rating scale. No, that's small time. This is Vegas, baby. We rate in a Herzog rating scale. You're going to give this movie one through five Herzogs. I'm going to give this movie one through five Herzogs. We're going to bet it all on the Herzogs. Then we're going to combine our Herzogs for best out of ten Herzogs. Drew, what would you think of this movie about me? Jimmy the Greek by Fritz Mitchell. Go fuck yourself. That's pretty good. What are you? You're a real uh, Basil Katsikas here. <laughs> wait till they reboot Rocky and Bullwinkle again. Maybe you got yourself a job here. Sweet. Can't <laughs> wait. 
You know what? I did not really enjoy the way they did this documentary. The cuts back and forth through his history were not really linear. They didn't make sense in the way they did it. They kind of like they kind of buried the lead a lot in this. I feel like you would have understood the first part of the movie if you'd heard some of the stuff they say later in the movie. A lot of it is just a real surprise and it's real whiplash to you. You say, oh, hold on, what? Now I got to go back and try to think of all the stuff that I've watched already with this new context that I just got <laughs> from what you said there. And again, the narration, uh, you said that the director said he needed Jimmy the Greek's voice in it. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe he should have got more clips of Jimmy the Greek talking, his actual fucking voice, instead of hiring an actor to talk in first person as Jimmy the Greek with really cliched arguments. There's one point during the negotiations where he goes, Network politics can really stink. <laughs> so corny. <laughs> it doesn't really add anything to the movie. And it made me want to just re- do, it made me want to stop watching the movie and look up, is this stuff that Jimmy the Greek actually said? None of that's actually clear. <laughs> is this from an autobiography of him somewhere? Are these just random stupid quotes that they pulled in and had an actor say to make you... I don't even know what the goal was. I have no idea what the goal was to have that. It didn't make me feel any more for the guy. He was already super relatable and a real interesting character again. Character. That's the best word. You say, oh, that guy's a character. That's the perfect description for Jimmy the Greek. And his life is very interesting. Dan Rather is not wrong there. It's a really interesting life that has major reverberations on things that are going on today still. My life as a sports fan, talking about sports on the radio, a lot of the stuff we talk about would not have been possible or might not have come to the mainstream until way later if it wasn't for Jimmy the Greek really legitimizing this. And again, the main theme they go to over and over again is he brought sports gambling out of this darkness, this real, real low degenerate reputation that it had, and into suburban homes, into everyday conversation, into our talk on the radio or right here on the documenteers. And that might not have been possible without him. I liked the story. I was entertained. I hated the overvoiced narration (laughs) and the flashback scenes. Could have been done much, much, much better. The timeline was totally screwed up to the point where I'm not really sure what happened when still. But man, there's so much going on here. Building a career for himself in Steubenville, Ohio, and then Las Vegas, Nevada, at a time where Las Vegas was nothing. His son said if he bought real estate in Las Vegas, he would have been a billionaire. But I don't think the money was that important to Jimmy. It wasn't the money. It was the respect. It was the fame. It was being on TV. It was having people recognize him in the streets. And again, I just, I felt like it's such a relatable thing. It's so easy to see people in your life who can make a character like this come to life and affect you. Just really, even his downfall is, God, while it's brutal to watch, it's also kind of understandable. You can kind of picture why he would do something like that just based on this person that you get to know during the film. I was telling them how superior the black athlete is over the white one. And for the reasons that the black tries harder. Oh, God, just just stop talking. Just give up for a second. Stop fighting and say, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe I'm saying something dumb right here. Hold on. Right. Let's not go into into this subject. Let's not put out real shitty ideas into the world. But that's not the kind of person he was. He was never going to say, I don't know. I'm not good enough. He was always just going to bull through the best he could. And I think that's what this documentary does, too. It's got a lot of flaws, but it kind of pushes through 
to be something pretty enjoyable, pretty informative, and I'm going to give it two 0.5 Hertzogs. 2.5 Hertzogs. But yeah, it just seemed a little too quick to go back and forth. The narration, I just kind of laughed at the narration. I didn't take it that seriously. And I know that narration was probably to help play up the legend part of the story of the legend of Jimmy the Greek. But it just seemed kind of, I probably laughed every time it popped up, like, okay, whatever. The generic anecdotal things that you point out that people say. Notice this, these 30 for 30 movies, because they're all sports related, they all have their own documentary stereotypes. The anecdotal thing. There's one that we will talk about when we discuss the film The You, where they say, the only way to get out of so-and-so was to play this thing that I was good at and became very famous for. Little things like that. It's like, okay, well... If you liked reading, you probably could have gone out and, uh, you know, it, that's that's just an example. Reading probably could have helped, too. You just didn't go that route, so you didn't if think you weren't super awesome at sports. Playing <laughs> sports is not going to get you out of your situation. Yeah, so it's like, that's it. You had to be a Hall of Fame wide receiver to get out of where I grew up. Anyway, I'm off I threw track. a football around with my friends in the street, and then I moved into a nice new house. <laughs> Football's really saved my life. That's how, it really, that's how it works. Anyway, we're getting way off track. <laughs> yeah, which documentary are we talking about again? I, yeah, there, I, the story of Jimmy the Greek is interesting. His downfall was sad. Uh, and, it, and there was a lot of the sadness in this movie did resonate with me. It really broke my heart to hear about his family and what he had went through. So I did have some emotional resonance in this movie. But it was just a little too jerky. And I don't know if they really pulled off what they thought they were trying to pull off very well. So I'm going to give this 2.25 Hertzogs. Podcasting is a difficult game. Some people get into it for the money. I got into it for a different reason. Mic filters. I have a mic filter fetish. I like to rub my dick on the mic filters. And I love the sound it makes when your dick's rubbing on them. Every yeah. time I see a pop screen, I pop. <laughs> well, that was dumb. <laughs> so, Drew, you take your 2.5 Herzogs, this other chicken shit. You take his 2.25 Hertzogs, that gives you 4.75 out of 10 Hertzogs. That's 0.75 Hertzogs, more than I predicted the rating was going to be. Okay, you need a drink of water or anything? And my throat's a little parched. I'm a ghost. It'll go right through my body and onto the floor. And that's the score of The Legend of Jimmy the Greek, 4.75 Hertzogs, by Fritz Mitchell. Go fuck yourself. Got anything else to say for you go, you piece of shit? If only it was Jimmy the American, maybe it would have been six Herzogs. Oh. It's a football story. American football. That's right, baby. Keep on docking. I laid six to five that I would live to see my 85th birthday. That was not one of my smarter bets. I came up short by seven and change. A week after the incident, Brent came into my dressing room and made nice. He said his kids were mad at him for getting into a fight with dear old Jimmy the Greek. I was always a sucker for kids, and Brent knew that. Backroom whispers.